This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. Although uh, today we're going to be doing something that I've been planning to do for a while, which is get into the idea of things that are almost movies, that are kind of like movies, but are not movies. And uh, the guest today for, I think, what is this, episode five or six? We yeah, split one up into two parts. Yeah, six, I think. You might have the record, I think, for most guest appearances on this program, minus... Uh, Hans, who's just a perpetual guest. He's not a co-host. He's just my guest every week. Uh, yeah. Jake Hanrahan is back. How are you doing today? I'm good, mate. Thanks very much for having me back on. Man. You know, I thought I was going to be the worst prep today because I woke up like six minutes before sending you a text. No, it was me again. <laughs> we had to set up the show like three times in real time. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I want to start doing these shows on Twitch, but I haven't, I haven't gotten OBS down quite yet. Or you're hanging out with Uncle Ted yeah, right now yeah. we're using... <laughs> yeah. Me too, actually. I don't know if you can see him. Oh, not in my background. Oh, uh, yeah. Google headquarters. You, oh, yeah, you're at Google headquarters now. Let's not yeah, say where but Hans I, is. If... <laughs> Let's just ignore no. that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're fucking around on Skype right now and playing with the backgrounds. But we're going to be talking about True Detective today. True Detective uh-huh. is one of the best series maybe of all time, mm-hmm. at least the first season. And uh, we're not just talking about the first season. We're going to be talking about the the first two seasons. We're going to ignore the third one even happened. Oh, wow. That, I got... I no, no, no. It's, 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 it's really... I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, okay. but uh, it's. I don't I don't think season three is that bad. Have you guys seen season three? Yeah. I, I thought it was just a massive letdown in the end. I was like, wow, this is actually going to shape up to be a good story. And then it's like, nah, it's, it's a coincidence. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, that needless subversion to just completely destroy the story uh, yeah like, has been why? Built up. like what the fuck were they thinking i think they were trying to do uh i th- i don't know i feel like they were trying to teach conspiracy theorists a lesson or something because it was around the same time it was like 2017 2018 it's like well sometimes it's all just a coincidence guys so, yeah. sometimes it's not a grand conspiracy uh to traffic women or children yeah like way to do that in your fucking like drama series thanks Thanks for giving us a lesson. <laughs> I really needed that. There wasn't enough, enough BuzzFeed articles for that. Maybe he felt responsible for the first two seasons being mm. exclusively about that and proven correct each time. It's a really good story. I never get tired of telling it. Legend shit, you know? It was January the 3rd, 1995. I remember. I worked with Russ Cole for seven years. What do you know about him, Marty? Good detective. Doesn't care about making friends. People change. You're obsessive. You're obsessive. It's not about the job. Relationships change. You need to tell me what's going on. How many times have we had this conversation, detectives? Nothing ever changes. This is a world where nothing is solved. There is a war happening. What have you been doing, Marty? This is Case. You know the pressure we got on us. You used to not be such a chicken shit, I swear. You know why? The story's always the same, 17 years gone. Because it only went down the one way. Everybody knows there's something wrong with them. Everybody's got a choice. You sure you want to do this? Not exactly. Everybody wants confession. And everybody's guilty. I uh, watched maybe three, four episodes of the first season when it came out, and I it just, I just, 
I didn't have the the attention span at the time to stick with it, and I just let it. You know, it just went by, and I, I didn't see anything from season two or three until until you know pre- prepping for this episode. Uh, but after you know giving it a chance, I guess because uh, my biggest issue at the beginning was that uh, it, the the setup is a little slow, like it's very dialogue heavy. Um, but uh, as soon as you get past that, uh, it, it it really starts revving up, and and then. Like I watched the first season in like a day, a day and a half, um, and uh, I was I was kind of upset that I didn't jump on the train when it came out because it was great. I think it's one of the best uh, series that uh, that I've watched, especially since they just le- uh, left it at eight episodes. I feel like that that uh, helped a lot with keeping the story very condensed and not focus on things that don't matter or don't really affect the outcome of it. Yeah, I think this is like my fourth time watching series one the whole way through. Um, yeah, I really loved it. When it first came out, I remember thinking like, wow, that's like everything I like. I want to see in a drama series or thriller or whatever it is in the same place. Like weird fucking child trafficking kind of pedo cult with like occultism, all this esoteric stuff. And then like really gnarled, like grisly detectives set in like the the 80s late 90s in louisiana like i loved it man that for me it was like at that time when it came out if you could have like said hey like if you could make any series it would be i mean it wouldn't be any good (laughs) but you know what i mean that kind of setting is exactly what i would have wanted to see so when it came out i was like wow and i just thought it was amazing man um a bit weird this time i watched it this is like i don't know fourth or fifth time i've watched it now and it Mm -hmm. did feel a little bit different um, as I'm older now, like I probably haven't watched it since I was about 25, and now I was a bit like uh, some of it, like cold, just pissed me off quite a lot. Whereas before yes. I was like, this guy's great, <laughs> you know, and now yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, put a fucking sock in it, mate. Like, shut up. Like, well, so I, pretentious. That's gonna be a, a a point of unity between you and Hans, because Hans, I noticed some <laughs> tweets where you you seem to be really upset with having to listen to to Russ Cole's you know, speeches throughout those early episodes. Well, it's because before they even set up the character, he was already starting with his speeches. So I, I knew nothing yeah. about him other than, oh, he says these weird things, who cares? And the face that Woody Harrelson was making every time he would say any of those things was the same face I was making watching it. Uh, so I <laughs> felt very identified with, you know, his reaction of like, what the, like, shut up. But then, as it developed a little bit, and you know, the ca- developed the character a little bit more, it kind of makes sense. So it, it wasn't as annoying as in the beginning. Yeah, I, I I think this time around, at the start, I agree. Like they just rushed it a bit too much. It's like, wow, he's fucking weird. And it's like, eh, like I think they should have just kind of eased into it a bit. Um, but yeah, like it, I know, like at the start, it was a bit like God, like it felt felt contrived. But then I think, well, maybe that was the intention. Maybe you know, like to an adult audience, he is a contrived kind of character. It's a bit weird. But then, yeah, like, as you said, towards the end, when he becomes a bit more spiritual and that, like, I thought, yeah, this is great. Like, he seems like a guy I would love to, like, hang around with. You know what I mean? Well, it's because you you don't really know anything about him as a detective at the beginning. Right. You know, you don't know how Mm -hmm. how invested he gets into the, the cases or how neurotic he is about trying to find out everything. So at the beginning, it's just this guy that speaks with that accent and says shit that it, it sounds like fake deep just because you don't know who exactly he is. yeah 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 i noticed this time around though I've, i must have like read a lot more since i last watched it and like a lot of the like little 
I think like before I would watch him like, wow, that was a weird thing to say. But now I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, okay. That character has read like Nietzsche. That character is invested in like all of these other con concepts, you know, like he's like this militant right. atheist. Like it was almost like, ah, I, I know what he's read is in like if he was real, you know what I mean? Whereas, the, whereas before right, I, I probably right. had, wasn't well read enough. Like I didn't really clock it. But now there were certain things I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get, I know what concept they're touching on, but without really like overdoing it. So that was quite nice just for me personally to watch it like that. But I think he's a great, like that, what's his name? Puz Nick Pizzolato, the director or Nick Pizzolato's the, well, no, hold on. Uh, we'll get to this in a second. The director's Carrie Fukunaga, who did uh, the mm. the one good Netflix film, Beasts of No Nation. Yes, And he's doing the, the current James Bond movie. And Nick Pizzolato is a, is a crime novelist, and he wrote the entire series and every subsequent season. I know that there was a bit of controversy, like some people were saying, oh, he's ripped off certain things. I, I forget what it was, actually. I wish I'm going to look into it because whatever it was he ripped off, I probably want to go and read it now. But I know they were like, oh, he's ripped off Lovecraft in certain points. But it's like, it was the, well, the Yellow King was, um, I don't know who wrote that. But he drew, that, I guess, a, a lot from that and made that the, yeah, the thing of the series. But, the, you know, I've got that book, The Yellow King, and it's... it's um, or the King in Yellow, I think it is. Um, and, and like, they call it the Yellow King in, in True Detective. But he's mm. not really ripping it off. You know what I mean? It's like kind of a mythical, you know, parable type thing. So I, I didn't really agree with that. But I know there were, I think there's some other writers, they said, oh, he kind of copied them. But I don't know. It was fucking cool. I loved it. But even if he did, he's putting it on screen. You know, if you didn't watch this, you probably wouldn't be even tempted to research to see what this is about and then get into the book you know right. i hate when yeah. i hate when they do shit like that because it's like okay so this person wrote uh read this obscure book that came out 50 years ago how dare he take ideas from that and it's like he's fucking putting it on screen it's different right uh, so it's inspiration isn't really, it looks you know, like work yeah at the end of um season one there was some kind of falling out between the director carrie uh fukunaga and nick pizzolato where Nick is like a control freak. And in television, things work very different from movies where the writer and typically the producer have much more say over the final product than they would if it was a movie. Right. Typically, you know, the writer doesn't really get their way whatsoever. And the producer is just like a money guy. Um, in the case of True Detective and, uh, you know, any other series... Well, True Detective is, is unique in that it has a singular director every episode. I think that really works to the show's benefit in helping it create a particular style and making it feel very cinematic. When you, when you jump between different directors throughout a season, I think then you confine yourself to a television show texture and it doesn't yeah. feel the same way. Because yeah, when I, I think about that. True Detective, when I think, when I think about the first season of True Detective anyway, it doesn't register immediately in my head as a series i think of that as a movie mm. even though it's not a movie just just based on that alone because it is singular vision it definitely felt so, like that definitely yeah so nick pizzolato couldn't stand carrie fukunaga's <laughs> uh you know indulgences as director and taking things in other directions changing things around and by the end of that first season what, what's unfortunate because i do think that they will eventually bring back mcconaughey and woody harrelson uh, once they pay the right price or or their careers just dip low enough. Mm. Uh, I don't know if Carrie Fukunaga would be directing them is the, is the problem because they didn't get along. And that's also why with season two, 
you have uh, Fast and the Furious's Justin Lin stepping in for a few episodes, and then they hop to some unknown directors, and um, you it know, shows, it, I, I, it? I don't. Yeah, I don't think it. I think that feels much more like a television series yeah. than the first season does. Absolutely. Do you know what though? With with season two, like I when I I remember watching season one and like so fucking excited for number two. I think I watched the first episode and was like, "Fuck this! What is this?" <laughs> Maybe I think like I waited a year, watched it again, and was like, "Absolutely not! I can't do it." And then when you said on Twitter, like, actually. It, feels better now i was like all right i'll give it a go and yeah i got into it it was weird i didn't think i would but i much preferred it to season three in the end actually uh, as did i and i mean i when i was watching season three i was like well this this is this is pretty good so far before we got to the ending yeah it's it's uh it's leagues above season two but now having rewatched that like i think season two works very well as uh, a tv show that again if you didn't call it true detective it was just some other detective series i think it probably gets a much better reception. Yeah. Um, although we'll get into it a little bit more. I still want to keep talking about season one. The writing in that season is not as strong and it's a little more confusing. Mm. Um, it's a, I know it's kind of all, all over the place. It has too many right. people. Yeah, yeah. Focuses yes. on too many things at once. It, it There's suffers too many storylines. Yeah. It suffers from the, the Wire season two where uh, it just goes into characters that like we're supposed to care about, but they're to- too many people for you to actually. Absolutely. In the first one, in the first one, you're focusing on these two weirdos. There are two broken characters that have issues in their. Well, we know the issues that one of them has in his own personal life, and then the other one is kind of this mystery, weird, or autistic guy. In season two, we have what three, four people that we're following at we the have, same time. We the have three detectives scars, and uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, is, I mean, yeah. he's he's kind of a detective in his own right because he's trying to get to the bottom of it. But yeah. he's a mafia guy, obviously, and but there's just too many intersecting so plots. Much. Like, I mean, his <laughs> yes. wife is fine, like, but it's like, why am I constantly hearing from his wife? She never says anything new. Yeah. It's just like, oh no, like, what's going she on? Just I love you. Yeah. I love you, even if we go broke. Like, and it's like she comes yeah. back again and she says the same thing again. You're like, okay, fuck, I don't care. There's way too many. Where characters. are you going? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Yeah, like, I don't care. Your husband it's, is a mafia guy. Like, what the fuck do you think he's doing? Like, you know what I mean? But um, season one was much better, man. Yeah, for that, like, even though thinking about it, there are loads of characters in season one, right? But like, it just fits so perfectly. Like, they weave it so well, you know. Well, I don't think the plot ever strays far from the two detectives. We do have like their personal lives, and every character we're introduced is basically a satellite of them and their side stories going mm, on. So, like mm. the the girls that Marty is having an affair with, or his wife, or his kids, or or uh, you know the biker gang that Rust Cole used to run with. You know, these are all still you know integral in in pushing the the plot along to its conclusion. Um, it's one also problem. Too- I- to, to help the character okay. develop a little bit and give it more of a, yeah. th- three dimensions instead of just this is a detective and and he's rugged and that's it. Mm. Right. If we just focus story. strictly on the mystery that they're trying to solve for eight episodes, we're, we're probably not going to be as interested in these two characters and they're going to seem much more two dimensional. Uh, they're going to get summed up to exactly what you were talking about, you know, your problems with that Russ Cole character in the beginning, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're making the same faces as Woody Harrelson's character, I think that's intentional, right? So mm-hmm. right. a problem that I had with the the first season, though, 
when it first aired anyway, is that it kind of does something. I won't say it's similar to season three, but it is similar to season three. It kind of it, it sucks the wind out of the season, in my opinion, with its conclusion, because they just take down the one like little bad guy here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and don't uncover the grand conspiracy that I think a lot of people... You know, on Reddit, there were a bunch of uh, conspiracy theorists who were like deep into the show, like like how they were with Lost and whatnot. Oh, fan that. theories! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the love fan them theories so much. You know, I never really engaged in that, but I thought, all right, well, this is going to go to like it's going to end on a big note, right? And it's really just them taking down some uh, some like fat southern guy who really loves his sister. Yeah, but the the fat southern guy. It's like he's the guy that does a lot. Of, I think he's the guy that fetches the kids, right? He's not the right. guy that he's came up with the cult. Yeah, the handler, right? He's the kidnapper or the and the murderer. But like, obviously, there's the tuttles. There's a big conspiracy behind it. And yeah, like I would have loved yeah. to have heard more of that. I think the ending would have been nicer if, or it would have worked better if they were like, oh, we only got one guy. And we're just kind of a bit fucking depressed. And it just ended with, yeah, life is pain sort of thing. But in the end, it kind of ends with like, oh, Marty and Russ love each other now. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like, well, it was nice, actually. Like, it is because there is, I tell you one thing I think they do that's clever. Maybe it's just me, but watching it, I wanted them to be more friends like better friends you know and it's like marty's really trying to be his friend and rust and i was like, oh please Russ, just be his friend be his friend like and it's quite nice to see it summed up at the end but it didn't feel very realistic you know what i mean no it should have ended with them taking down bill clinton in my opinion yeah yeah and like <laughs> fucking Epst- an epstein character just closing a door and like putting on his fucking personalized That'll- sweatpants 100 percent. they're gonna do that for like season four i actually didn't really mind that too much because i think it fit with the fact that they're just two like low detectives in a small town in louisiana so making it like they they uncover or they resolve this trafficking issue wouldn't fit with everything that was set up before which is this just these two very troubled guys that you know no one gives them any support because no one believes their bullshit like no one believes that they're actually into something real uh, and then they take down the, the the one guy that they can find and then it ends like that and they end up as heroes. But if it was bigger, like if they ended up, you know, a couple of other episodes where they get more into the trafficking and more into like a bigger figure, I think it would take the realism away from the fact that they're just two low detectives that nobody likes in their department. Yeah, and it maybe. would make it a little bit more more realistic of... All of a sudden, these two guys that no one believes in and everyone's trying to shut down uncover this giant thing. Mm, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I thought it was fitting. It, it would be good if they bring them back, if they you know, will want to do that. Uh, but I, I, I feel like it, it fit what was set up for the, the rest of the season, that ending. Yeah, that's uh, a good I, I wish point, it didn't, actually. I didn't think of it I wish like it didn't, didn't it end with, with them just you know, staring into the sky because that felt kind of... Uh, yeah, you didn't like that? <laughs> I think the lights are winning. Very romantic. Fuck off about the lights winning. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that was so corny. But but I feel like that just because they're, they were so unliked under the department and they were, you know, um, shut down, uh, having them uncover this biggest bigger conspiracy just wouldn't fit with everything that they set up for those eight episodes yeah true i think the the idea initially at least around the time of season two was going to be that they would eventually tie all of these seasons together yeah 
because it does ha- I mean, season two does have a a relatively similar you know story at the center of it to season one, although we're dealing with adult women in that one being trafficked. And, um, you know, I, I think, like we were saying before, a lot of that gets lost in much of the different characters' stories and how they don't intersect. And then season three kind of just shits the bed also, like we had said, at the very last episode and undoes everything that came to that point. But I know that th- this was an idea that Nick Pizzolatto was entertaining, was doing like a, like a true detective all-stars kind of season where you have uh, 80-year-old Mahershala Ali with dementia meeting up with Russ Cole and and Marty and whoever is left Uh, at the the end of of season two. two Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? Get Funko Pops of the characters? And and they're all like, for some reason, they all happen to be anti-Trump, like despite being from fucking like Louisiana. That's who they're taking down. Yeah, that's what they'll do. They'll do something like really cheesy like that. Yeah, yeah. I would love to, do you know what though? I would love to see like a spin off series of True Detective 1 where maybe, I don't know, it's like a fucking hard boiled journalist is looking into the case and then they start finding more, you know, like something outside of the police department where they have maybe a little more time and can properly dig into like the more um, deeper family ties. And then I don't know, the fucking journalist gets killed at the end or something, you know, like something kind of real like that would be quite cool but i think i just really want to see more of the first one and i don't really think they can take it anywhere because they're just so old you know yeah and i think a, a lot of that that first season is entirely it's great because of carrie fukunaga's directing and also the fact that you have two very charismatic actors in woody harrelson and matthew mcconaughey and that's not to take away from any of the actors that followed but mm. without that that star direction like what, what is it really worth in the end i think colin farrell does a, a fairly good job on uh, true detective season two yeah. vince vaughn is great uh the writing is is good enough but i mean i i don't i don't know if the writing really means much of anything if if the performers can't be directed in a particular way to make it sound completely not cheesy mm. consistently you know Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I think, a bigger problem with that second season. And and that's the thing that you were talking about, having you know one director for the entire series, which is not something that they usually do with with TV shows. But in right. this one, you can you can really tell that the the same vision that you you see on episode one, uh, the look of it, the, the cinematography and the camera movements and just the performances, everything is very consistent throughout so it does feel like you're just watching a continuous thing uh, as opposed to you know having very different types of cinematography and shots that they select to to exactly uh, sh- to show action or to show the, the dramatic moments uh, in the first one you can watch episode one and then episode seven and you would like it feels the same it feels like it has the same hand mm. and on on the second one, um, I, I didn't finish it. I got to episode five, but um, you can really tell that, or, or it's not as, uh, it doesn't really grab you as much because it just feels like a regular TV show where the director doesn't really matter. And the, the uh, look of it, uh, even though they try to keep it consistent, uh, the, the, the shots are not similar and, and the way that they, they show emotion with the characters, uh, it, it feels... It's kind of jarring when you well, at least for we're, at least we're for me because about, I just I just finished watching the first one, so yeah, no, 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 such a contrast like that. Yeah. You're completely spot on. This is a significant thing. Like if you have one director who ha- who is there for like the entire eight weeks of shooting, right? 
your actors are getting comfortable with that person. People are more mm. invested because they feel like this is a big, like huge scale project. If you have uh, a series where like it's just a new guy showing up every four days to shoot the scenes and isn't familiar with the previous material, the actors aren't going to care as much. The crew isn't going to care as much. It's going to be viewed as more disposable. And even if it is like masterfully pieced together in the edit, that's still going to come across on the screen with you know, each of the takes and also all the creative decisions that were made in that moment. So I, I don't know. I think it was doomed from the start, the minute that they decided not. I mean, I don't even think Justin Lin would have been a good successor to Carrie Fukunaga. But the minute that they decided, OK, we're only going to have him do three episodes. I think that was a mistake. I do think that season three, even though, uh, you know, we've we've shit on that a lot, is more consistent in that tone because we have Nick Pizzolatto and some other guy basically just swapping off. It's only two directors uh, throughout that entire season. It doesn't feel as misshapen at, at points like True Detective Season 2 does. But uh, it is a big glaring flaw when comparing it to the original. One thing I will say about 3, though, I think the casting was fucking brilliant. I forget both their names, the black guy and the white guy. What their, were their names? Uh, Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff. Yeah, that's it. Like, I actually, thinking back, that was the thing that kept me going with that series. I was like, these two yeah. work together. It's, and um, was it Mahershala Ali? He's fucking brilliant. Like, he watching him, I was just like, I couldn't... He had that really weird vibe of, like, a black Republican guy in, like, the 80s, you know? And he really hit it. Yeah. Like, he got it really well, I think. I mean, for at least from what I know from, like, TV and shit, I guess. But, yeah, I really liked that. But I think the problem with two as well was like so, uh, Colin Farrell um, and what's the what's the woman called? I'm so bad with these names. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. That's it. With her, them two, I was like, oh, these are going to be really interesting, and they just never really focused enough on it for me. You know, there wasn't enough development, yeah. and and then it was like, oh, they fuck, and now they're all chill. You know, it shouldn't have been like that. It was like it was almost as if like both of their issues in their lives that made them all fucked up were completely resolved. You know what I mean? Like they mm. kind of had sex, and it was like, eh, it was like it just took the tension out of it for me. You know what I mean? Yep. I tell you what, though, the the sex scene where um, fucking Colin Farrell is like he kind of says no, like you shouldn't, like I'm not doing this. Like, that was such a good scene, I think. That was, like, so tense. And you're like, oh, my fucking God. You get a glimpse into Rachel McAdams' character, right? Which they kind of hint at at the start. Like, I think she's trying to do some, like, freaky sex because that guy's like, you're into that? And she's like, sometimes. Yeah, you never find out what it <laughs> what is. Nerd. Yeah, what a fucking God. loser, man. And then, and then like, and then... And doesn't then they, doesn't they her, do... her partner, her partner calls him a mama's boy or something? Yeah, yeah. He's like, you fucking yeah, yeah, mama's yeah. boy. But then you see her like try and fuck Colin Farrell. And it was, to me, it wasn't, not in like a, like, oh, she's a slut or anything like that. I didn't think that. I just thought, oh, okay. This I was is... thinking that. What a whore. What a disgusting <laughs> whore. I just started fast forwarding. How dare she have sex with a man? But no, I was just thinking like, oh, okay. There's some fucking backstory there that makes her like this kind of slightly confident. You know, I don't know. I just thought it was so tense and interesting. And then they have sex in a cabin and it's like all romantic. And I was like, eh. Like, whatever, man. Like, you know, like... Like, this, what is this? It doesn't fit. It just felt weird, you know? Right. Like, I wanted to see the tension. Like, you know when Russ Cole fucks Marty's wife? Like, that scene was, like, almost violent. You know what I mean? It was like, holy yeah. shit. And then he's like, get the fuck out. Like, it was so, like... 
I don't want to say believable. I don't know. I've never fucked anyone's wife, but you know what I mean. It just, it just seems so like angrily. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. no. And they wanted to punch her afterwards, right? Yeah. But it just seems so like it didn't destroy the tension. It made it more. You know what I mean? And it was like mm. wow. Whereas, yeah, two, it just felt a little bit like having a sex scene for the sake of it. You know, like let's get a well, bit well, sexy. There's nowhere to go. Yeah, there's, there's nowhere, nowhere to go, to go right? after that happens. Yeah. With with the with the rust in Marty's wife thing, now he's got this new situation where he just completely betrayed his partner right and also got deceived by her because that was her her only intention in showing up there is to get one over on marty uh with with the colin i don't even remember ray Velcaro, and uh, yes. i don't remember her character name you know it, it's like okay so, all right so what now they're in love they're gonna go get married and uh have children together right and then they decide to fucking run away to mexico together that's that is such a overplayed story you know what i mean like we ran away to mexico yeah. like that for me i was like oh they they forgot they didn't know what else to do here you know do you do you guys do you guys think season two would have worked better if the vince vaughn character just wasn't there at all or if it was there but just as a figure but not something that we focus on i'll tell you what i actually i thought his story was more compelling than i mean maybe aside from colin farrell than the other two that i mean taylor kitsch should have just been removed entirely that guy's that guy is poison to any project who, who he shows that? up in. Exactly. Star, who is that? Scar guy. I'm wondering that Motorcycle myself guy? right now. He's the he's like that the half gay uh, guy who has oh, a weird relationship God, with his what mom. What the fuck and, was that about? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I do you know. I, quite, of, um, I quite liked it. Like it, I quite liked seeing it. Like oh, something weird's happening here, and then it, it just went nowhere. And I was like, oh fuck! Like what? What was the point? Like, literally, what was the point yeah. of that weird story arc? You could have easily removed him the from the plot. whole thing, yeah. It wouldn't have made and, any difference. Right, exactly. I, I, it it would have probably just improved it. And I, that's not to that, say that he's, like, a bad actor no, or anything. No, no, no. But uh, everything he shows up in, like, in wow. his John, career. John just Carter. Goes to so share, many right? John Carter of Mars. Yeah, <laughs> box office poison. Um, he was so Gambit, too, something. in that Wolverine movie. That was one of the, the things that were... Uh, the most jarring uh, from watching season one and then starting to watch season two the day after that uh, everything in season one feels like it has a reason to exist and it has an ending where it makes sense for those things to fit into the story. Uh, and the second one, at least so far, even though I haven't finished it, um, there are some things that like you can tell there's just filler. You can tell that it's just, like we're wasting time on this, but it's it's not really doing anything to move the story forward. You're not really getting to know the characters either. It just feels like let's let's fill up with more things that don't really add to anything. Oh, yeah. uh, and after after finishing season one, you know, even the little things that you might think, okay, this is kind of weird. Why are we seeing this, or why is this happening? At the end, everything closes perfectly. So that that was very. I mean, I. I haven't finished season two, but from what you guys are saying, it feels like that—that that was one of the, the biggest thing, bigger things, or the biggest um, differences between first one and the second. That everything is very condensed and very uh, focused on season one, and in this one, it's just a little bit more, more regular detective TV show than yeah. you know what it season is. one. Is. And I feel like the, I feel like he ran out of time with season two, maybe writing it, like he had to rush it or something. Either that or like. There was a point where he should have gone, I need to scrap all of this and start again. And he just couldn't because of perhaps the success of the first one. I mean, it's that cliche, isn't it? Like everyone's first album is their best. You know what I'm saying? Because they got the time and they were broke and whatever. 
But yeah, it does to me like n- number two does feel like, yeah, oh fuck, I just have to ride this out now. Um, and that like, honestly, that weird shootout scene, I still don't, what what was that? Mexicans in a meth lab? Like what, why, where? What the fuck was that? I don't know why what that was about. To me, it just felt like they were like, we needed a stupidly long shootout scene and that's why we'll do it. Like, Well, do you think they were just doing that because of the one-shot scene in season one? Where right. Goes I, the, they were trying to talk. Which yeah. is, a, it's like a, it's like a 20 minute scene. That's just incredible. Like it's, everything. It's that one of the best things I've ever amazing. seen. Yeah. It's amazing, but I'm wondering if they just tried to maybe replicate that, but. You know, but why were the Mexicans there? Maybe I've missed something. I, I it's lost on me. It was like this is going on. Oh shit, cartel! Like what? And then they're gone, and they're like, all right, they're not a problem anymore. And then they are again. Yeah, nah, it's fucking weird, man. He was probably just watching episodes of Breaking Bad before right, the script. Right, yeah. he had a writer's block. He got really hyped on like the finale. I don't know. So season two, uh, Hans, you didn't watch it. it. It concludes, as we were talking about, with, uh, I mean, Taylor Kitsch's character is killed off right before the finale. And it has a 90-minute ending where you have Colin Farrell's character and Rachel McAdams' character getting ready to get, hop on a boat, go to Mexico, hide out. And uh, Vince Vaughn's character is brought out to the desert He's killed. He's hallucinating. He's just bleeding everywhere. And then, you know, he passes away. He sees his wife or something. I don't know. It, that whole scene was very corny to me. I didn't like that. Oh, it was appalling. For me, it was like, oh, shit. There's a lot of backstory here that we pro- we didn't really flesh out properly. Let's do it all in 10 yep. minutes in one stupid scene, you know? Very poorly done exposition. Mm-hmm. And um, Ray Velcaro winds up getting into a gunfight before he can make it to the boat. Before he dies, he learns that that a uh, disgusting child actor is actually his son. The little redheaded boy <laughs> is his legitimate son. So no, he never uh, learns it though, good. right? You learn it, but he no, never turns no. out. It's just the mum like I, opens the letter and it's like, oh, you're right. It's his, but he never even gets to find out. Like what the fuck? You're you're correct. I was misremembering. He's on the phone with his wife, being like, "Don't ever tell him." Yeah. This other guy. And she's like, all right, fine. She's such a bitch, she's too. She's so, so like, needlessly cruel yeah. to him. Yeah. Awful. I uh, mean, he's he's obviously, like, very unhinged. The, one of the best moments is him showing up at that other kid who was picking on his <laughs> yes. kids. Oh, um, and beating that. the shit out of it. That, 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 that scene so won me over. I was like, all right, maybe this funny. will be really good. I, re- yes. I misremember that. I thought he yeah. said, "I will." I'll, Sorry, go on. He said, "I will fuck your, I will fuck your dad with your dad's mom's head or something like He's that." Like, oh, He's like, "Oh, so fucking horrendous dad in front of your mom." Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but I, I misremembered that, yeah, because when I think I must have, when I first watched it and gave up on it, I saw that. And as it was coming up to me, I was like, oh, man, this is the bit where he beats up the kid. And I was like waiting for him to punch the kid up. And I was like, oh, no, he fucking beats his dad up in front of the kid. But I tell you what I like, though, what Pizzolato does. Like, I I mean, I always like anyone that does this kind of like um, really showcases damaged people, but not in a way where you just always feel sorry for them. You know, like he kind of says, like, yeah, these are imperfect people, but never really makes that. It's window dressing, like, oh, they're very interesting because they're damaged, but it's never like, oh, poor them. And you know what I mean? It just feels real, actually. Yeah. I love that, you know, and imperfections make things way more interesting anyway. You get me? So I, I like that he does that. Um, but Ray did feel a little bit 
It was a bit over the top. You know that scene where he just like snorts a whole definitely ball in his house, you know, and then like yeah. he's drinking and then the next day he just <laughs> drives around and he's fine. Yeah, that is weird, man. The scene where he relapses as well. That That's what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. He's just like banging coke on the table and it goes yeah, on and on. Up. Yeah, we, it's like we get it. He's back on the coke, fucking hell. Yeah. That and then he, I think he like breaks down crying maybe four minutes later after like shadow boxing on coke yeah. and uh, <laughs> having like a one man party in his living room. Yeah, with his uh, shirt off in the mirror. It's so good. What yeah. did you guys think of Colin Farrell in this series? Because there are moments where he is over the top, but I, I kind of feel like he's the best thing about this season. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the most memorable. He contributes to the iconography of it and, and makes it like worth watching i mean it, this feels i i don't know if you guys saw the 2006 movie uh miami vice that michael mann did where he has this exact same look this white mm-hmm. trash mustache and the long hair he's awful in that movie he's so yeah, fucking heard bad that. in that movie yeah. um but <laughs> he kind of redeems that whole look and and he does a similar character i guess here with true detective season two with ray velcaro and I thought, you know, he was probably one of the more compelling things about the show. In addition, like, I, I thought Vince Vaughn was great as well. The other mm. two, you know, I could give a fuck about personally. But I, I liked it because he was kind of quiet, you know what I mean, at times when it... I, he, I've met people like him where they're kind of aloof, but at the same time, a kind of... Uh, I don't know, they got a weird vibe, you know what I mean? I, I think he got that around quite well. Like, there was times where I'm like, is he a complete cunt or is he actually a good guy? Like... I thought that was quite cool. I liked Rachel McAdams, though. I, I found her character, like, I quite liked it. It was kind of, like, a bit of a bitch, but, like, not in a, in a contrived way for me. It wasn't like, mm-mm, girl boss. It was like, no, she's, like, a tough woman, and you know what I mean? And that's yeah. that. Apart from that I, stupid scene where she's, like, stabbing a bit of wood in front of her sister. It's like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> But no, I like. I that. like that she's she's so she's aware of the fact that even though she's a cop, like she's at a disadvantage because she. I think one of the lines is uh, that uh, if you're in a fight with someone, that they could easily uh, bleed you to death or something just because she's a woman. So mm-hmm. she like the, uh, Colin Farrell couldn't relate to her. So the fact that she's very aware of that instead of just being. I'm a strong woman exactly. that I can take anyone exactly. type of thing, you know. Well, she's she like, I, I she's can be. She has, yeah, she's like, know. I can be fucked up by a man. So I carry fucking knives everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. That's what, in my opinion, a woman should be able to, you know, if you need a weapon to defend yourself as a woman, a woman getting fucking preyed on all the time. It's like, yeah, of course. Don't be like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, I'll knock yeah. this six foot ten guy out. You won't. <laughs> like, neither will I. But like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah, obviously she's bringing a fucking knife everywhere. That makes sense. To go back a little bit to what you said about the, you know, showing showing the character being flawed instead of telling you mm. uh, they do a really good time with that i mean a really good time a really good job with that because um they do show them uh like uh, just take it back to season one uh you see the martin marty character who's he at, at moments he's trying to be a good husband but he can't be because he has this thing of like i want a younger girl you know and then when he has this younger girl who's just his side piece he still goes to the bar and sees her with the other guy and then he goes attack the guy. So you show that he's he's very flawed instead of just 
you know, him showing up the next day at the office and he has a black eye and it's like, oh, I got into a fight. Yeah. You know, you actually show him being ruthless and being a piece of shit. So yeah. Yeah. it adds a lot to the character instead of trying to do it with subtext or by just telling you, which is what a lot of shows do and takes away from the tension and from the fact that you know this character is not only willing, but also capable of doing these things. And um, same with that that scene where... Um, where they were telling the story about this shootout that they had and, and how uh, uh, everything was overly exaggerated, the story they were telling to oh, the, the two so uh, good, detectives. Yeah. Uh, and, and and you just see that, uh, you know, he just goes and shoots the guy that's on the ground and he just shoots a bunch of, what was that, an AK? Uh, yeah, yeah. And he just, just shoots like, it just so that there's bullets everywhere. Uh, so yeah. you can see that, or they're showing you that they're crooked or that they're willing to do dirty things to get what they want, mm. uh, even though it's a good thing that they're doing, but they're flawed as characters and they show it as opposed to, you know, having another detective come in and be like, well, did you know that this guy did this thing? Huh? You know, like that, yeah, that, yeah. that showing all of those things, it adds a lot to the characters and also it adds a lot to the tension of whenever something's about to happen, you know that they would do it uh, yeah, because yeah, you've yeah. seen them do it yeah. as opposed to right. they've been telling us that they would. There, there's nothing think, like, sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that adding those kind of components where you can see that they're completely like morally in the wrong, uh, not only adds to like the dimension of them, but I think it also adds to their likability in a, in a weird way. I think if you have somebody who's too polished of a character that you know you run into what i would call like how i met your mother syndrome where you have that lead character who's just completely bland and does the right thing for the most part all the time and nobody actually gives a shit about them but when you have a character that is willing to engage in uh actions that you know maybe they 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 shouldn't you know um and and not just like the the clear and easy methods of doing that but like really taking things to a reprehensible level it's it like makes them i don't know i think it i i, I think it make, makes them more relatable in a certain de- degree human. in uh series one it leads up to it it's through the space of maybe all the episodes but re- another good thing he does put like the writer he doesn't really like reward them being a dickhead so like marty's fucking like cheating on his wife and then he sorts things out and then he, he just can't help or like he can fuck the what he fucks his, over his wife again but he's never like rewarded in like oh what a what a cool guy because you see marty at the end that amazing scene where he's just in his miserable boring front room eating a tv dinner you see him put it in his mouth and you can just see in his face he's like oh it's the, like do you know what i mean it's like in real life that's what hey, happened hold on you mean to tell me woody harrelson in his in his hairpiece and his wig wasn't a cool guy <laughs> you didn't find him a cool guy during the show you know what i mean though like in real life that's what happens if you cheat on your fucking wife and like you can't even you know what yeah. i mean and you do these things you yeah. will end up lonely and you won't have the things around you that you you know that you did beforehand and it actually shows that you know what i mean rather than just things going normal it's like yeah he ends up as a very sad person which is clever because that's what you find out gives him the time to go back into the case with rust right because he's lost everything and his miserable office, Rust is like, are there going to be people coming in and out of here? And he just says, what do you think? <laughs> like, you know, you d- it's such a good way just in that line to tell you he's a fucking failure. Like things are not going well. His PI business is kind of fucked. His family are gone. You know what I mean? The, uh, the original Rust character, I believe, was supposed to be like very straight and narrow, waspy kind of dude. They wanted McConaughey to audition for 
the Marty role. Really? And uh, yes, McConaughey thought, okay, he, he. I mean, you gotta look at like his career at that point where he was kind of doing somewhat better films. He had just done Killer Joe with William Friedkin, where he plays like a darker, mm. serious character. Before that, he's doing movies like. Uh, what was it? How, how to lose a guy in ten days uh. and uh, ghosts of girlfriends? Pat, like he's doing all these awful movies. They uh, um, they called it the McConnaissance. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he came Which, back, he's well, like a cool guy. I think I think it, that's wasn't probably older mud now, also around that time. Mud. Mud. Yeah, Did you ever see mud? You, you reference mud on this podcast? That that movie, that forgettable direct to DVD movie. We're talking about Matthew McConaughey's best hits. You bring up mud. But, <laughs> well, he was a serious character there, I guess. Like Ser- Dollars Buyers okay. Club was around that time too, right? So Killer Joe, he he has Killer Joe. He, he goes with Killer Joe and into down. True Detective. <laughs> yeah, he was on Eastbound and Down as well. He must have had a contract with HBO or something. Um and then he winds up doing Dallas Buyers Club the same year as this. Wins the Oscar oh, for Best it? Actor. The same year and he Wolf, wins the Emmy for Wolf Best of Wall Actor. Street too. That 2014 was also Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, where he oh. he was still like very gaunt, very skinny from this role. And uh, yeah. they threw a spray tan on him. He looked very unhealthy in that movie. Didn't he do a film where he's anorexic? Wasn't that McConaughey? Yeah, uh, the, well, Dallas Buyers Club was the movie where he gets AIDS. And yeah, he, no, but there, I'm sure there was another one as well. Because there's like pictures in the media like he... Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, this was it, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he yeah, loses yeah. all the weight, yeah. And they were like, this is the fucking... Look how much weight he's lost for this role. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, I remember. That was a fucking great film, man. The start when they fucks the woman in the, the pig pen or the bull pit, whatever. And then you just see the... the she's been pinning, you know, you know, like the heroin marks in her arm. That mm-hmm. I thought as soon as mm-hmm. I saw that I was like I'm in this. That's such a great way of telling you like something nasty's coming. You know what I mean? That movie I, did that movie win Best Picture, Hans? It won Best Performance by a leading role. It won Jared Leto won for that movie as well. Jared Leto and then makeup. Man, talk uh, about someone who took their career in the exact opposite direction of Matthew McConaughey after winning the Oscar. Jared Leto, Jesus. Is he the shit That's joker? The year, yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck. Yes. Yeah, I hate that guy, man. I That's saw some tweet that, uh, where... 12 Years a Slave. Right. I saw some tweet where he's like, he... uh, oh, I, I've, <laughs> I've been on a, a silence retreat in the desert. What's happening? Like, he, he's well, just... He's so out of touch with the <laughs> yeah. world, like a, man. He's, he's just... Like a cult he's got, right he, he has a cult or something that, like, yeah. live with him out in the desert somewhere. I think in, like, Arizona or somewhere like that. Very, very Fucking terrible loser. man. Um, so he like does Dallas to. Buyers Club. He gets Interstellar, the Christopher Nolan movie, makes a ton of money. And uh, since then, he's been kind of kind of laying low, right? I mean, he did White Boy Rick back in 2018, and he's great in that movie. His performance in that movie is off the charts. Is that worth uh, watching? But yeah, I, I think that's a very good movie, but it didn't get good reviews. He was in the Between Two Ferns movie. Oh, come uh, on. So, <laughs> so um, there's um there's another thing that just hit me. I just forgot to mention. I was I was gonna mention about True Detective is um the iconography. Like when I was watching, you know, I like I'm really interested in the occult and like you know I did all my work into that weird like occult Nazi group and shit. Like the iconography used, I was watching it thinking like fuck me the the, the writers really done a lot of research on it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean he wasn't yeah. exactly using like 
occult symbols that are in the real world, but they were certainly, you know, it was like, oh yeah, I, that, I get what that is meant to be or what that's referring to. And something that I noticed, which I didn't notice before, I, I think I'm maybe watching too many conspiracy theories or some shit, but um, the, so you know that Carcosa symbol, that weird spiral, right? The kind of triangle spiral. That's almost the exact same symbol as the pedophile symbol. Which yes. all these yes. pizza pizza fucking gate freaks they always talk about it, but that was actually a real thing that you know they took it and ran with it because they're freaks. But that was actually a real pedophile symbol. You know what I mean? Like that, the FBI have even like released statements back in the day saying like this is a symbol that a lot of pedos will use to identify each other. Like hey you're a pedo too wagwan like you know what I mean? And then fucking <laughs> I remember when I was watching it this time around. When in the first episode, you just see that spiral. I was like, oh, shit. Like, wow. I thought, I wonder if Pizzolatto knew that, you know? I mean, because it basically, if you know what that symbol means, if you saw that from episode one, it's telling you there's going to be some pedophile cult stuff. You know what I mean? So I thought that was very cool that he did stuff like that. It definitely feels like with season one, especially, he did a ton of research into things like that and also just like general folklore and, and really built a good in-depth like rich story like the, the the whole series is a good tapestry that contains all of these things you can dive into and take something different away from every time you you watch it which i think is one of the reasons why it is so easy to rewatch. i've watched season one maybe about three times now i know you said three mm. or four times mm. hans you've probably watched it at least twice due to this show um yeah yeah i I, I don't know. I, and as far as like other television sh- uh, series goes, you know, we take a look at other, you know, programs that had a singular director, singular writer. Uh, off the top of my head, we have like Twin Peaks to return David Lynch's 18 hour uh, opus that I believe you really disliked, right? I, 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 I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. Um, I, I even got a Twin Peaks tattoo, man. It's not actually anything to do with the series more to do with someone I knew that we used to watch it with but like the, the I love it I loved it I watched Twin Peaks when I knew nothing about anything like cool in the media world or whatever you know what I mean like, I just randomly ended up watching it on fucking yeah. Sky Plus when I was like 20 and it blew my mind and then when the return came I fucking hate it <laughs> like it just <laughs> felt like a big like David Lynch was just wanking off into the into the film you know like I really disliked it I like Fire Walk with so, Me. So, what, what did you like? You like okay. You like Fire Walk with Me, but you don't like the Return. Mm, that doesn't make sense like in my head. So, what, what it is it about felt, the original series that you liked? It's spooky. It's still a bit like it could happen. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, there's these very kind of occult and I don't I don't know what you would say like otherworldly <laughs> elements to it, but it's not completely wacko. You know what I mean? And then the new one, it's just so fucking weird. Like there's two coops ah oh, it's just like this is just like a a oh god i i hate it so much man i took that one personally i think the first two episodes i was like okay let's hear it goes and then it just nah it just went crazy and every every ending there's like shit music playing in a bar ah oh, fuck off no i hate it <laughs> you know like 9 inch nails instead of oh. uh, was it julie cruz <laughs> because because so much time has passed he's had more time to you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bask into his own David Lynchness. Yeah, exactly. Now it's more. It's like Kojima when know. he made fucking uh, Hideo Kojima, the video games guy. He made uh, Death 
Rising, Death Stranding. Stranding. And it's just Death like Stranding. the whole thing yes. was so fucking bad. And it, it looked, I thought this is going to be so good. And it was just literally him. You know, I was joking on Twitter. I said, it's, it's Kojima's famous friend simulator. You know, that's all it is. Like, oh, here's loads of famous people he knows. And it was just so bad. And that was like, he almost needed Konami, the, the company was at before, to rein him in, you know? And I think when people get so big, they don't get reined in. And, you know, film work, movie work, as you guys know, is a team effort, actually. And I think when it, when a fucking ego gets too big, people just go, yeah, let them do it, man. Let Lynch go crazy. And then for me, I was like, oh, this is terrible. But I know people that love it. Did you love the two, first two, like you? Did yeah, you like you the, uh, from... the second season of Twin Peaks? Yeah, I loved it. But everyone hates it. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked it. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything that, uh, wrong with it. It's just, I think it it loses obviously some of the like the David Lynchness because he winds up quitting. I think, yeah, one or two episodes into the season, it becomes Mark Frost's property. Yeah, and uh, it's it, it goes in the direction of being like a goofy soap opera, which is I think right, part of the charm right. of the whole thing. And then you lose that entirely by the time yeah, exactly happens. It, it just becomes a bit fucking weird, actually. But I tell you what. When I first watched the first two, this is before I read about media, before I was really ever doing anything on Twitter. So I didn't hear about any of that stuff. So it didn't really jade it for me. Like a lot of things, someone will say something. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck. But I, when I saw it, I didn't even know if David Lynch quit. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know who David Lynch was when I first watched it, right? So for me, it was just a continuation of this great, cool thing I'd seen. But yeah, I've rewatched it since. I'm like, eh, yeah, it, it kind of dies a bit. But I did like it. But yeah, I think I think it's fine. I think people like to uh, you know get all up in arms about it just because Lynch quit. But I think it's fine as a show. Right, right. Uh, the the season finale of season two of of Twin Peaks is really insane. It's like it, it sets up everything with Fire Walk with me, and it's kind of crazy to imagine that that was like broadcast in in prime time on ABC in like 1991 <laughs> or something. I know, with, I know. Uh, you know, Coop becoming inhabited and him in the red room, and it's like it's 90 minutes, very cinematic. I think it's probably better than Fire Walk with me. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not as hung up on uh, some of the negative aspects or the indulgent aspects of Twin Peaks: The Return. Maybe just because. I don't, in my head, it's like, all right, David Lynch is what, like 75, 76? He's probably not going to make anything else. He just directed 18 hours of yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks in this form. Uh, probably better I, be grateful for that. Once I got I over my he, initial disappointment. But you're also into directors that are into smelling their own farts, though. You love Refn. No, Hans. Just, no, this is I not true. <laughs> Refn's films are just him smelling his own farts the whole I time. Agree. You love them. So yeah, I, lo- I love the first. That's couple, not bro. true. <laughs> I love the first. Reference. Yeah. You you can't really compare reference career. I mean, as much as he would love to be in the same league as somebody like David Lynch, and he tries very hard to be David Lynch. Yeah. Like uh, a yeah. Too Old to Die Young and Fear X feel like David Lynch clones. Like he just steals that style, and that's why I think they don't really work as well. His career is so much different than um, David Lynch's just because of those early gritty films where he starts off like doing crime movies with the Pusher yeah, films Bronson and Leader. And, and, yeah. Bronson's great. Um, so good. So, yeah. so good. That's what put me on to Ref and like Bronson. And then like as I looked up the director and then I watched Valhalla Rising and fucking love Valhalla Rising. Very weird film, very different, but I love that. But I, I think the problem with Refn is he like when I watch him in interviews, he seems a little bit dry like void of I don't like 
Lynch has got a real charisma. You know, you need the charisma to yeah. pull yeah. off these wacky films, right? And then Ref and I saw some interview and he's just going on about how much he loves people's hands. And I just thought, oh, you're just trying to be like quirky for the sake of it. You know, you don't yeah. care about people's hands that yeah. much. Like, you know, whereas Lynch, you watch him and he doesn't ever say anything crazy, actually. He's just like a pretty normal, likable guy, right? And, you know, I watch his weather reports. So I love it. And <laughs> the day he was just like, what day is it? <gasps> Fuck, I don't even know. Like, you know, he's just a normal guy. Whereas I feel like Ref and everything he does, I feel like it's slightly calculated, which is a bit boring, you know? No, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think the thing with David Lynch is the weird aspects of him are, are like pockets of his personality, like the whole transcendental uh, meditation thing. He's mm. really big into that for, for whatever reason. Um, what is no, that? It doesn't Sorry, really seem I, I wasn't to... aware of that. What is that? Uh, it's just like uh, it's some kind of uh, meditation where you think you can transcend reality and con- and oh, heighten your God. consciousness. Or, I don't know. I don't. I don't really Maybe. know. I'm probably not doing it justice. Mm. But um, yeah, I think it's all like severed off into these little things that don't overwhelm his personality as a whole. But one of the things I really love about David Lynch is that you know he has such like a calm and mellow presence and then if you watch any behind the scenes clips of him on Twin Peaks he's just like completely volatile yeah, <laughs> he's completely yeah, yeah, yeah. like a piece of shit to people yeah uh there there are some wonderful uh behind the scenes footage of him just like screaming cut that fucking shit off why can't we have more fucking time filming the just like going nuts um yeah. that you would not expect to come out of his mouth he's he's, right. he's great um so yeah, those are those are two other examples, uh Too Old to Die Young and Twin Peaks the Return of series that kind of feel like movies that have a singular vision. I don't think that they top the first season of True Detective. Uh no. I mean, what would you guys think in your head? TV series wise, right? That that maybe registers as like a film. Other than True Detective, uh there's there's elements of Breaking Bad that feel like that to me, but yeah. yeah, if it was maybe shorter, you know what I mean. Like there are some really, yeah. I love Breaking Bad. It's one of my all-time favorites. But there are some real like slow fucking seasons in that. You know what I mean. But there are elements right. specifically towards the end, like maybe even the last series, like that. Quite a lot felt like a film to me. Actually, you know, like that really. Looking back, yeah, that really felt like a film. Um, but the but the start felt very much TV. So yeah, it's, it's strange. Yeah. Like we had talked about this briefly, like over text, where I think the yeah. thing about Breaking Bad is that's right on the threshold of where television started to change. So when it began, like TV was still, you had to watch HBO to get like really cinematic television, like The Sopranos and and all those series. So it's on AMC at the time. You still can't say like fuck or shit or anything. So the first two seasons mm-hmm. feel much more like. And, and I mean, they're, they're, they're still much better than whatever you would find on, uh, you know, basic cable or NBC, ABC, whatever, Channel 4 in the UK, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still higher elevated than that. But it doesn't become the series that I think it's currently known as until about like late season three. And you do have a lot of those filler episodes like the fly episode where Walt's just trying to swat a fly in the, mm. in the lab for it. I, I didn't really care for that. I don't think anybody did. That was that was a real waste <laughs> of time because they had a season order. So it's like, all right, we got to fill up 19 episodes, 21 episodes. Shit. OK. Uh, I, I, I was watching Walt Jesse it. go out to the desert and get stuck. <laughs> I was thinking know? like, oh, is this going to be really clever? 
ah, uh, okay, something clever going on here. It's going to set something up. Yeah. <laughs> and then nothing no, happened. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, but what do you guys think uh, of El Camino? <laughs> I just felt like it didn't need to be made. Like, what, yep. what yeah. the fuck? Like, what? Like, all of that time in between. And he made that? I was like, really? I didn't need to know what Jesse went on to do, you know? I loved it in the way that it was like, I just want to see Jesse doing okay. But I really don't think it needed to be made at all, you know? Maybe the similar with but Better also- Call Saul. But I've actually... Better Call Saul's a weird one where, like, I'm like, God, I'm not into this. But I, I, I will watch every single episode back to back as soon as there's a new series. I don't know. It's weird. I think... Yeah. Um, what's his name? Odenkirk? The, 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 the Saul... Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk, yeah. yeah. Odenkirk, yeah. He's just a fucking great actor, I think. And I think him yeah. and the relationship he has with his kind of girlfriend, kind of not girlfriend, really is is like carries it. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't like El Camino. I just, it's just, like, I did not like it. I was like, okay, cool. It felt like a waste. It, it felt like yeah. an extra episode of Breaking Bad and like a filler episode at that. The bad exactly. guy in that. Yeah. It was like a fat guy with a mole who he runs oh, yeah. into. Like we shoehorn that that whole uh, interaction into it. It felt um, like, but also, it felt like something you see after the critics briefly. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, because it also fails at showing you what Jesse's onto because he just goes through this little drama that's not really much of a drama, and then he still drives away. So you don't really get to see what he does after the yeah. series. You just get him. You you get to see a day in his life, but yeah. not where he ends up or anything. And then he just ends, and you just I just watch an hour and a half of nothing. Yeah, 100%. You, he didn't change at all. He didn't, it didn't, he didn't resolve anything. anything. Like, we could have ended nothing. where it had ended in the series, and... You know, we pick up at the ending of El Camino, and it's like it's the same thing. It's like, all right, right. so maybe you he already might get go away down the road that. or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it did feel. It, I don't think it spoiled anything about Breaking Bad, but it just felt uh, needless. Yeah. What's he working on now? Does anyone know? Uh, Vince Gilligan or Aaron Paul? Vince Gilligan. Uh, geez, he I had another know. show, didn't he? That fail on AMC. Uh, hold on. I thought I read something about him uh, wanting to resurrect that show, The Lone Gunman. You know that X-Files spinoff from 20 years ago? No, I didn't even see that. I love X-Files, but I don't even know about that. What is that? Uh, It was some... uh, They had like a couple of characters that were internet nerds on the X-Files during like the mid to late Uh. seasons of that show. And they gave them uh, their own show. And I, I think it got canceled after like four episodes or something like that. Also, that, that X-Files reboot. Do you remember that? That was terrible. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, did. I loved the originals. Yeah, For me, the best X-Files episode ever is still the first episode, the pilot. I, I, maybe it's with yeah. the time I watched it or the time I saw it, whatever. It's just, just really, really, really fucking good, man. Such a good setup. Um, yeah, I love that shit. There was, there was this little mini culture, I feel like, from 2010... <sighs> to 2015 or 16 not no that might be too late about 2014 where x-files and twin peaks went to netflix and then like tumblr culture absorbed that and put it back into this like cultural sphere and they decided hey you know there's an interest in these two shows now let's reboot x-files they brought it back and they just completely squandered that opportunity yeah and then you know twin peaks we wind up seeing what happens with that where we get the return and, and I now think that fucking X Files cartoon. There's a cartoon. What? You don't know about this. I don't. I don't know about. I never heard oh, about this X Files. May so they're bringing X Files back as a comedy cartoon. Yeah. 
okay. It's that thing of like failure to launch adults being like, I fucking love Rick and Morty. Like, I need more adult cartoons. Bojack Horseman. Cartoons. Cartoons are making me violently angry nowadays. I can't uh, even. I can't look at a cartoon and not right. want to like hurt Same. my computer. You and know? I used I to love that shit, but it, it's been stolen by like these man babies where. They're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like running around in Marvel shirts and you know, trying to do fucking so, magic tricks or whatever they do. <laughs> so the, sh- the show is called X-Files Albuquerque and the writer is the writer of this show called Paradise PD, which is just a ripoff of Family Guy. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, that is just, hey, we're going to be offensive. So here's a redneck that's fucking a bear. You know, like things like that is just very like offensive. Not, there's not really much of a joke. It's more of a... Hey, look at how offensive we are. Is it like that Star Trek cartoon? They just like they're doing the same thing with that, right? Where it's like a comedy Star Trek show for CBS All Access. Jesus. Yeah, but I don't think that's offensive. That was just bad. (laughs) It's just not 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 good. So is it more like the Harley Quinn thing, where the joke is that they say "fuck" every three minutes? (laughs) Pretty much. I I I really I can't I can't (laughs) tolerate that. I can't palate. Ooh, it's a it's a swear. We, it's a cartoon with swears. Yeah, I know, right? Like, what the fuck generation Ooh. are you in? Like, the the whole reason like <laughs> Simpsons was funny. Like, for example, Simpsons when it was good, Simpsons wouldn't be funny if they started swearing. You know, it would be rubbish. It'd be stupid. Correct. Like, why I they mean, we, think now like to do it? I don't know. Ren and Stimpy fell victim to that when Ren and Stimpy went back to the creator in like 2003. John K. Who's a pedophile? Who, who yeah. got? Yeah, he's he's got a creepy history. Unfortunately, talented mm-hmm. guy, <laughs> creepy pedophile yeah. though. Yeah. Um, yeah. They bring back Ren and Stimpy in 2003, and they give him full full you know liberty over this program. And it's just it's smut. It's Ren and Stimpy yeah. fucking each other and uh, really? cartoon <laughs> boobs, and they swear it's awful. It's called the uh, it, Ren and Stimpy Adult, adult Party cartoon? cartoon Hour yeah, or something. something like yeah. That. yeah. See, I watched Ren and Stimpy really as bad. a kid. Like, my dad let me watch it. It would come on in England, like, after, like, 12 or 11 or some shit on Channel 4. Like, you get one episode every so often. And I remember watching it and liking it because I was scared of it. Like, if if it wasn't like they touch on weird stuff, but it, they never went, like, full fucking maniac. Well, it was maniac, but you know what I mean? It wasn't doing that. And I remember the episode where, like, I think Ren gets, um, or Stimpy, rather, gets, like, lost in his belly button. And I remember just thinking, this is the creepiest fucking shit I've ever seen. Yeah. When you step over that line from like, it's creepy, it's kind of risque to like, fuck this, like it's just, it just becomes like frat boy shit. You know what I mean? So I think we all agree, pedophiles like make the best children's shows, right? <laughs> <laughs> Quote that. <laughs> Put that on the internet. <laughs> um, I was reading over here the uh, Vince Gilligan, 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 right? Oh, Gilligan. Gilligan. Yeah. It's, diff- it's difficult to take him seriously with that name. Uh, Vince Gilligan did a show for AMC called Battle Creek that star oh for CBS sorry starring Josh Duhamel and it lasted one season another boring because, actor course, terrible no wonder why yeah yeah and now he's he's just doing a uh, Better Call Saul have he's you figuring out guys, more uh, ways to milk Breaking Bad yeah did you guys ever see the Colombian Breaking Bad no yes yeah what the metastasis <laughs> Is it You've good? ever seen so, this? It's literally. A, it, it, well, he's. Uh, he, did he write it? I guess. Well, he was creating. They used this. They used the same scripts. They just translated them yeah. to Spanish, and they had <laughs> everybody try their best to look like each of the characters on the U.S. Fuck show. out of here! That is amazing. Yeah. I gotta and, watch uh, that. It, it is. One season. That's it. 
Six le- no, 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 no. They did the full thing. They did the full thing. They did every oh, really? single episode. But I, a full season, because it's like a telenovela. So yeah. that's like 100 episodes. So Five. season one is the entire thing. Right, right. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit, it is. Fucking pretty... <clears throat> There was a series that came out around the same time as Breaking Bad. Like they were just trying to, you know, ride off of its coattails. Uh, I remember I watched it just to just to laugh at it. Really, it was called Weeds, I think, or Weed or something. And it was like, oh yeah, this, no, no, yeah, it's suburban housewife. She's like, I'm growing weed. <laughs> I remember just thinking, like, yeah. it's so shit. It's like the Breaking Bad that, like, I don't know, like conservative Christian parents would let their kids watch. Maybe you know it's, what I mean? It's so fucking funny. Yeah, man. suburban. Sub- Suburban mom breaking bad. That's funny you mentioned that. I was literally thinking just only a couple of days ago, what happened to that actress? She disappeared completely after that show. Uh, I don't. I can't even remember her name because uh, they're bringing back uh, Very- the same network that did Weeds is bringing back Dexter, the serial killer show. Yeah, for a yeah. ten episode limited series, uh, which I'm I'm okay with because I don't know if you watch Dexter, but that has one of the worst like tailspins of any series in the history of television where it begins so great and yeah. then it ends like unbelievably terrible i i saw like about six episodes of the first series years ago i was like yeah this is fucking cool um and then i did hear that i don't remember what happened but i did hear that it just goes bonkers well, yes once it get they get rid of uh what's his name um um the trader killer john lithgow john lithgow who's, yeah um, who's amazing in that season four and then after that it's just uh, a nosedive of uh let's try to stretch this as much as we can and then the ending makes no sense at all like it doesn't fit with anything no no it's it's here's what what happens is dexter falls in love with his sister no 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 his sister falls in love with him and then she dies or something and he steals her body from the hospital and puts her out like osama bin laden style (laughs) burial at sea uh allegedly anyway yeah, it's what terrible. Yeah. It's it's really yeah. atrocious. Yeah. But I mean, Dexter was cool in that every season was like its own thing. It's, it's kind of a detective series in its own right. So you have like mm. a bad guy each season. You pick it up and he's doing his thing, and it's procedural to a degree. But it's not a bad show. But yeah, it it ends around. Uh, Aaron, four. Aaron Paul. I just remember what he did. So I watched this really weird series he's in. He's uh, in a cult, and uh, but like some weird like. Right. kind of hippie-ish cult like kind of new age christian cult and it's one of the ones it's really bad but i just cut anything with cults and i'll watch it for a bit because i'm obsessed with like cults and stuff and now i kind of i'm involved now i there's sometimes i'll watch something and it's not bad enough to to log off you know what i mean and it's yeah. just getting more ridiculous like each each <laughs> series and aaron is paul that- is like the only good actor and actually marty's wife is his wife in that cult program I remember this show. Path? Was it? Yeah. The Path. The Path. That, that was, That's uh, it. Was that like a iTunes show or an a- Apple <laughs> it's, it's on a, It's on fucking Amazon Prime, you know? Like, okay, it's yeah. Hulu. In Hulu. England, anyway. Yeah. Go for Fuck, it's bad. 